Hey everybody, welcome to Read, Watch, Play. I'm Justin. I'm James. I'm Cleo. And I'm Corinne. And this is the summary episode for our series on Solitude, in which we will be covering... The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. Lost in Translation, directed by Sofia Coppola. And Gone Home, designed and published by the Fulbright Company. Uh, so, reminder for everyone, uh, this entire episode will contain spoilers for all of the things that we're discussing. So if if for any reason you did still want to avoid spoilers for any of these three things, um, go read, watch, and play them and come back and listen. Yeah, and we've got full episodes on each of them separately if you want just the spoiler-free section of those or anything along those lines. But yeah, this is not the place to jump in unless you independently... Unless you don't care about spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those people exist. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, if you do happen to be dropping out now, just a heads up, our next series is going to be Psychological Horror, in which we will be reading The Shining, watching Jacob's Ladder, and playing The Evil Within. All of which I am very excited for, and James is very not excited for. I hate this time of year. Y'all suckered me into doing a horror theme last year. You're going to do it again next year. I I would like to I don't think the horror theme was our idea last year. You were pretty pumped to read some Lovecraft. Yeah, that was you. Yeah, I think I think it was your idea because you, you wanted to read Lovecraft. I just wanted to do Lovecraft. I didn't say we had to do You wanted to do Lovecraft. I wanted to do it follows and then You set the precedent, James. This is all on you. Check the tapes. The rest is history. Just check the tapes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So, let's just let's dive right in. So, I guess, first off, how were these things about solitude, since we didn't talk about it for most of them? Did we Did we leave that as a question mark for almost all of these? I think all of we, them except we, for Lost in Translation. We pretty uh, well covered it for Lost in Translation, I feel like. I feel like. like we covered it pretty well for Wind Up Bird Chronicles. I think it was mainly Gone Home that we really did not touch on it. Yeah. And, yeah, because I feel like Gone Home was the episode where you literally ended up by saying, how is this about solitude? No, no, no. Or was that Lost that in is, Translation? That is very wrong. That was for the prestige. <laughs> That was last topic, right? Was it last topic? No, I think that you did was it again. Too- you did it again. You did it again, though. Oh. <laughs> I really need to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Just discredit our whole episode. Yeah, you're, you're really, you're really undercutting the entire... <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but- I think one of the funny things is, is that we struggled a little bit with which term to use for our topic. Like, we had solitude. I think isolation was something that we thought maybe later would have fit better for these things. Yeah, and we started we started off with loneliness, I think, and then it worked its way to solitude once we had picked things. I think we threw all three of those terms around pretty interchangeably throughout the course of this, sometimes accidentally. Yeah. I would say, yeah, up until we had an extensive, like, off-mic conversation about the distinction between each of those words and that some of them fit some things better than others. Yep. So. Yeah solitude right so i mean wind up bird is a book about a guy who sits in a well for weeks yeah i mean it's not what it's about it's about that guy and he yeah. does that at one point and that's something he enjoys doing there's a lot about that but i don't know it was very easy to it was very easy to talk about that book in relation to to solitude yeah right i mean it's it as part of that book i mean largely like Torres spends a lot of that book feeling like he's kind of been left behind by the people who are important to him and having all of these other people suddenly like imposing themselves upon him yeah and like it's these people with whom he doesn't have like a lot of meaningful relationships and he kind of like seeks that out in in other people you see him kind of going and starting to build something up with with uh Sahara, and then she you know leaves him as well it leaves him it 
sounds weird in that context. You know, about a book about a guy whose wife like actually like le- leaves him like capital L, right? Right. Um, versus you know kind of this this friendship that he's developing with with May, and she just she leaves Tokyo. But I, just, I do think it's also like an important depiction of what solitude can be because it's like the idea that you can be surrounded by and still regularly interacting with other people and still feel like profoundly alone right oh yeah sure i got some thoughts to drop all right disconnection from self disconnection from society disconnection from family we've got all three of these things represented in the three things that we tackled and while there's some overlap i think there are some primary disconnections going on wind up bird i think primarily disconnection from self yeah uh lost in translation i think primarily disconnection from society and gone home i think primarily disconnection from family okay so uh discuss yeah i i mean what i think is interesting in that is that each one has a primary like one of those is probably the primary one that it is most about but while gone home is pretty explicitly about disconnection from family and not much else I feel like Lost in Translation and Wind Up Bird are about all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that because I, I first jumped to Wind Up Bird when you first mentioned those three things. I agree that my first one was like, okay, well, of those, like I, I see self first most of all, but at the same time, like the the driving force for the narrative is a disconnection from what little kind of family he has left. Right, like we don't really hear a lot about Toru's. Um, family beyond his uncle right yeah, like it's, it's there's his uncle who's their landlord and he's just kind of like this sort of you know, pretty okay seeming guy who owns some restaurants he sort of flips in and out of the story as like necessary as a landlord um kumiko's feeling um disconnected from her family and then you know suddenly kind of pulled back in in sort of a maybe not so not so consensual way and then when she leaves toru's disconnection from that kind of this little family that he's built from himself and he certainly ends up being pretty disconnected from society just in general, he talks a lot about like sort of his life, his little space and how he's kind of happy with his stuff in his neighborhood and his little alley and his little well. And he's got he's got his space and there's everyone else and that he's by and large pretty happy with that, which I think is really interesting because I think a lot of the other things seem to treat solitude in more of a negative way, even wind up bird, right? Like in the disconnection from family, it, he's pretty happy with him and his wife being disconnected from their families and having a little family of their own. And like, that's pretty good. But by and large, it causes strife for him when Kumiko leaves. Whereas as far as him being disconnected from society, that feels like the big one where he's like, no, that's, it's pretty okay. It's kind of how I want it. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Cause I think in something like gone home, I mean, in lost in translation, that obviously creates a lot of difficult feelings. That's, that's the driving force of that movie is that disconnection from society. I would completely agree. But whereas in gone home, it feels like, it's kind of hard to say because Katie's not much of a character, but I always sort of read that game as Katie being sad that she wasn't there for Sam, like during this transitional phase. I mean, I guess maybe that's me projecting onto that because that's how I would feel if I was finding out about this kind of stuff and that like I couldn't have been there for my sibling. But I think probably the, the main difference is that Katie was physically disconnected from True. her family. Like there there wasn't really an... Uh, emotional or I guess spiritual sense of disconnection. It was it was much more physical that we know of, at least. True. Yeah. I mean, Katie given given what we can read stuff. in that game, like it does feel like they still had a pretty normal and healthy 
relationship. Like, yeah, she it, spent this time abroad, but the postcards and the nonsense. And, like, maybe it's just window dressing, but in a game that doesn't really have window dressing. Yeah. You know? I don't think that there's anything to indicate that it was a bad relationship. But, I mean, but at the same time, and Sam cared enough about Katie to leave this story for her. Right. You know, is kind of the, the thing at the ending is you realize these are explicitly written to Katie. And, I mean, she says it a few times, but still. Yeah. But then when you see it all put together as, like, one journal. Yeah, exactly. It's addressed to Katie, like... But yeah. But no, I'd say that's a good point. Like, it's... it. She's disconnected very physically and therefore emotionally. Like, she she couldn't have been there for Sam during all this because she was just abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think you can argue... Because I'm thinking about Gone Home and the disconnect from self and the disconnect from society, which are definitely lesser than the disconnection from family. But... I would say if you're thinking of Sam as the protagonist rather than Katie, which I think you can, you know, pretty much argue, I mean, in a way, right? I mean, you're seeing... I think there's a strong argument for that, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you you do see Sam, like, struggling a lot with her feelings for Lonnie a little bit at the beginning, like, her awkwardness and not sure, not being sure, like, how to approach that. And I think a little bit of, about, of that is a disconnect from self, like, she's not entirely sure what she wants or if she should want it or like how to like you know she's going through that awkward teenage like how do i connect to other people and like first you need to know yourself thoroughly and that kind of you know typical story of puberty and whatnot and then you do see although i guess it does take shape a little bit more in like a disconnect from family because her parents are dismissive of her feelings for lonnie but then you also have the disconnect from the people at her school because, like, the first one of the first things you find in the house, if you go through it in the order that Corinne says you must go through it, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you find a note from that kid who's like, "Oh, like you're a new girl," and she's like, "Yeah, I think this might be like a friendly note passing situation." Then he's like, "Oh, are you like a psycho also because you live in psycho house?" So she does have like her whole first few journal entries are about how much she's struggling at her new school because it's hard to make new friends and people are kind of assholes yeah i think that makes a lot of sense i think that's a great way of phrasing it. just it if you twist and you look at sam as the protagonist which i think makes a lot you it really is the protagonist like that's i feel like i think the difficult thing is it's hard to think of the narrator as the protagonist in a lot of ways because like and because the action that you're experiencing is you are coming to the story after it's happened which makes it kind of weird to think of someone other than yourself as the protagonist for that but yeah like for the story that you're getting from that yeah, absolutely. Sam is the protagonist of that. Yeah, I guess the protagonist of Gone Home, right, is Katie. But the yeah. protagonist of the story that Gone Home is telling is Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is, yeah, I think that that's a beyond valid argument. Um, yeah, and there's, like, plenty of stuff where Sam is pretty clearly struggling with, I mean, just her own feelings and figuring that out. And as much as she can say that she's known since she were, right? Like, she's just a great one. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's also pretty clear that that's, like, she might have known but it's the kind of thing where it seems like if you had asked her that before lonnie she might have known but she didn't like no no right yeah it's the kind of thing where you can see that where she'd be able to look back and say that she knew in hindsight now that she knew what she was looking for right i have a story to tell you guys and we can totally cut this but i just wanted i just want to tell you guys because real funny uh back in sixth grade there was this uh, girl in my school who I was friends with who came up to me one day and god I have no idea why she did this to this day but she was like you know what my mom told me that if you can imagine yourself French kissing a girl that makes you a lesbian 
And me, my, you know, 12 year old, 11 year old ass was just sort of sat back and like, huh, I can picture that. Wait a second. (laughs) And that was the first time I ever questioned my sexuality. Uh, We're not cutting that. Okay. (laughs) Oh, actually, I have a really funny thing to add to this that Corinne, you're going to really appreciate. So like the thing that caused me to first question my sexuality was Utena. Amazing. That's revolutionary girl Utena for everybody who doesn't know what Utena means. <laughs> it's an anime. It's amazing. <laughs> Important stuff, guys. Moving All right, on. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but back to your point about knowing, but not, but only really knowing in hindsight. That was kind of one of those things. So yeah, yeah, I think I think anyone who's ever come out as gay can can be like. Yeah, sure. I knew, but at the mo, like at the time, yeah, of course, I liked boys. I was, you know, straight, whatever that means. Blah yeah, blah sure. blah, fitting into society. All right. So we always do. We always seem to do the um, the would you rather live in the world of question, but that I don't think that's really yeah. applicable here. So here's <laughs> two the of them question. are the real world. <laughs> yeah. Here's the question from this round: Would you rather live in Tokyo the '90s or a <laughs> <laughs> oh, well? so here's a question for this round would you rather experience disconnection from yourself from society or from your family nobody get too existentially sad about this too late that is uh, that is a weird toss-up between family and society for me i i'm not particularly close with a lot of my family the family that i am close with i i'm not exactly you know jumping at the chance to stop being close with them but it might that might be easier than than being like totally disconnected from society i feel like i'm experiencing all three of these things right now in my life so (laughs) i'm just in a constant state of like disconnected angst but i don't know i guess society is probably like the for me personally the easiest one to feel disconnected from and not like completely lose your shit altogether because self is like that's where you start getting real risky like you you if you're disconnected from yourself for too long i mean like what else do you have left that's when you start sitting in wells doesn't really yeah it doesn't really matter like if your other connection oh it does matter but like if you are disconnected from yourself to like that point where you're kind of on the brink of insanity which i don't know if like he seemed pretty chill about his disconnection from himself i mean he enjoyed that well sitting i guess to an extent but i don't know that's the one that scares me the most personally yeah i would say i I would say self or society like i wouldn't want to be disconnected from my family um and i i think i would lean for towards society for a lot of the same reasons that you brought up Cleo. but i feel like the big thing for me even more is I I feel like I would be more okay with being disconnected with myself if I were also disconnected with society. I think I would feel really uncomfortable in a situation where I feel really, where I feel connected to society, but not me. I feel like the suggestion there is just like that I'm like my entire sense of who I am is just purely based on like external stimuli as opposed to any kind of like core central character. I feel like I would have... I feel like I would rather deal with not really understanding who I am and also not getting other people as opposed to like 
yeah, like I, I've created this character that I can like present to everyone else based totally on my expectations based on like social interaction. I don't know. At that point, I would just feel like a psychopath or I guess a sociopath or something like, like I would, I would feel like I was just like a fake person. I would rather feel like there's something there and I just don't get it yet. But yeah, so because if the prospect is there's only one, I would rather feel only disconnected from society than feel like, yeah, I can like pretend to be a part of everything else, but don't know who I am. Right. Uh, as for me, I've largely been disconnected from society for the past couple of months because I've been working from home and don't go out very often. So I guess, you know, I'd really kind of just like to mix it up. <laughs> it's a little tiring at this point, And I think I'd like to be disconnected from my family. Why not? I don't want to be disconnected from myself. I'm already disconnected from society. And that way leads madness, as James yeah. just pointed out. Yeah. I mean, this is part of what I like. I feel like being disconnected from yourself really means being disconnected from everything on some level. That's true. Like, if you're disconnected from yourself, you're also disconnected from, from society and from your family. And they are obviously not the prime disconnection that you are dealing with because being disconnected from yourself is causing everything else, most likely. But that they all, if if that one happens, they all happen. That's the central conceit, though. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Listeners at home, why don't you write in and tell us <laughs> what you would rather be disconnected from? <laughs> Hit us, with the about that. hit us with the answers to our existential questions because they're driving us insane. Please enjoy existential angst with us. So one thing that I noticed, particularly as we went back and um, as we went back and we edited and re-listened to and did like all of our checks and stuff on all of our previous episodes, um, I feel like more so than most of the other stuff that we've done, we've had a lot more kind of like personal stories or things that are not necessarily explicitly related to the works, but more things that things in our lives that the work has like reminded us of. I was thinking about that the other day, and I think that it's largely because these are by and large pieces of media about introspection, right? And in kind of a really weird way, right? It, I feel like the easiest way to relate to some other character being introspective is not to go in and say it's like oh yes like i felt the same thing like i i too know someone who like was trapped in a well in manchuria <laughs> during the war like that's it ends up not quite being that way right but it does i feel like that's one of the maybe, really maybe for you yeah exactly but um i feel like that's been one of the really interesting trends that i've seen at least going back through these last few episodes is that it seems like it's inspired a lot more kind of introspection on our parts to reflect the introspection that's been happening in these books. And that just seems like kind of an interesting offshoot from a solitude topic. Like that sense that when you are solitary, there's not a lot to do, but to turn inwards again. Yeah. Well, I know part of it is because for me, at least is because I spent two straight weeks alone in my room reading wind up bird chronicles. <laughs> that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is that Lost in Translation, like, we didn't really have much to say about the movies, the more physical aspects of it being a movie. Like, we didn't, we spent time before talking about, like, uh, shots and makeup and um, stuff like that, but we, we didn't really, 
we didn't really go into those sort of details for Lost in Translation. It was all about, I, th- I think you talked about shots briefly, and yeah. we talked about <laughs> we talked about Scarlett Johansson's butt, uh, but we didn't really talk about anything else. It was most it was more so the the character of the movie and the content of the things that were going on, True. In the population of Tokyo. So, which is interesting because I don't think that the movie is lacking in in those ways that normally we would dig into something right i i I would argue that by and large a lot of the cinematography and that kind of stuff in lost in translation is better than in something like the prestige which is not so that i don't like the prestige but i would argue that there are more shots in lost in translation and i don't think it's just because i've like it's been i've seen it more recently but that like stick out in my mind as memorable it it was an objectively more beautiful movie i think so I, I would agree with you. And I've been thinking way too much about uh, classical Japanese, like, ink paintings lately. As one does. Right. Uh, but the way in which it is more beautiful is kind of reminds me of those ink paintings. Like, very, very, like, very much like sketches mm. and, like, the, the, the emptiness of it. A lot of negative space and stuff like that. Sure. I don't know. It reminds me of classic Japanese paintings and the way in which it is beautiful. And I will leave you with that. Do you think there's anything to the fact (laughs) that two of these sort of like hallmark stories of solitude take place in Japan? You know, a country that isolated themselves from the rest of the world for years, for decades. It could be. I mean, I think it's interesting in the case of Lost in Translation versus Wind Up Bird Chronicle because Wind Up Bird Chronicle is by a Japanese author, was originally right. written and published in Japanese, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas Sofia Coppola chose that as a, kind of had the world to pick from and chose that as her destination, whereas Murakami wrote what he knew. I mean, well, just uh, is con- consistently writes about Tokyo and Japan and people who live there. Yeah. But that's my first, when this question was sort of forming my first idea, it was like, oh, is this like this Western idea of what it means of like you know what Japan is and it, and this is you know what the effect it can have or or whatever but then it was like well Murakami is Japanese so it's not exactly a Western idea that this is a thing right but yeah and a lot of the themes that we kind of touched on and brought into the solitude topic from Wind Up Bird are kind of relatively consistent themes within Murakami's work there's kind of a lot of for lack of a better term kind of like riffs and melodies that work their way into and out of his work as a whole. But, but yeah, no, I think that's a good question. Um, because at the very least, right, we can speak to, well, maybe we can't speak to it, but we can at least consider the fact that even if Murakami didn't elect to set his work in Japan for that reason, uh, Coppola seems to have. Yeah. So I guess the question still does stand, like, is it a Western idea of what Japan, like, represents almost? Um. I'm about to take this to a real dark place, and I apologize for that ahead of time, but I'm still going to do it. We do this all the time, uh, so. <laughs> but, I mean, Korea is the country, I think, with the highest suicide rate in the world, but Japan's not very far behind, I don't, be- I believe. Um, and there's, like, a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to, like, try to summarize Japanese culture when I, you know, haven't been there and I am not Japanese, but... There is at least that perception. I think, you know, an extent of it's, it's, it is true that there, it's, 
like their manners are very much centered around politeness and kind of like the self-flagellatory politeness like i think a lot of the direct translations of some of their polite phrases are kind of like apologizing profusely for just like so much as you know existing pretty much like taking up space and i mean and there is like you know that does exist a little bit in korea but it's much more prominent in japan i feel like and there is i don't know this asian or at least a perception of asian people in general being kind of closed off and like not wanting to reveal things about like not wanting to be vulnerable to even like fairly close friends like it's considered almost rude to like reveal too much about yourself or your feelings like you're it's like oh that's your problem you should like deal with it with yourself it's kind of vulgar to try to expose that part of yourself to other people and if you do it just takes on like it gets like it takes a relationship to a much more intimate place than a lot of people would be necessarily comfortable with i mean that's something you see a lot in I would say I don't I, Japanese and Korean media at least is that that idea of you're supposed to keep some of these like inner thoughts to yourself and if you're like having trouble with something if there's like some horrible problem that you're dealing with you're supposed to also just like keep that to yourself and figure it out for yourself and if you bring it to somebody else like that's something you should be ashamed of. All right, so that's the dark part of this episode out of the way. I said, yeah, you said you were going to go somewhere dark. I was not expecting you to jump right to suicide rates. That was Yeah, it's just like it it's come to mind it's come up a lot in like conversation recently for some reason just like the suicide rates in asia because i mean i know like there's a whole documentary about happiness i can't remember what it's called it might be called happiness <laughs> i don't remember but it was talking about like one of the happiest places in the world is that there, there's like a japanese island but then in the city you have all these people who literally work themselves to death like they just drop dead because they're exhausted and they haven't been like taking care of themselves they just work themselves literally into death and i don't know that that presents a pretty lonely image to me i mean i know our topic is solitude and not loneliness but you know no i think that's fair though i yeah i i can certainly say that i it's not something that i know nearly enough about to have any sort of like i feel like educated or reasonable response to but yeah i i certainly wouldn't be surprised if that was something that you know someone with a bit more of a background in that might be able to speak to or say something about but all right so that's our episode well now that i have like dragged that rain cloud over <laughs> us no i i think it was a really good one i feel like the tricky thing is I, I at least speaking for myself like i i just don't know that i'm like equipped to respond to that in a way that like advances the conversation right yeah i can just be like mm, yeah I could pull something out of my ass, but that seems like it would be... <laughs> insensitive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least insensitive. <laughs> I would say also certainly potentially just like not helpful, right? Yeah. Non-productive. I know during the Lost in Translation episode, we talked a lot about... Um, we talked a lot about some of the reasons why we thought it might have been set in Japan. And we talked about the idea of being kind of a stranger in a strange place. And whether some of that was just the fact that certainly when Lost Translation was made, but just in general. Coming from the U.S., Japan is the kind of place where there's a certain number of similarities, especially comparing large cities, uh, but that's also like immediately starkly different. Culturally, visually, in a lot of ways, it's usually very distinct and also very distinctly like not America. And I wonder if... And you know, we talked about some of the reasons why, why that might be, and kind of the sort of awkward, unfortunate aspect. Eh, unfortunate's the wrong word. It That in order to make a movie about feeling like a stranger in a strange place, you have to make that 
you have to have a character who doesn't think it's pretty awesome to be in that strange place. Or you have someone like Scarlett Johansson's character who's not so much feeling out of place with where she is geographically in the world, but where she is like in her life, as opposed to Bill Murray's character who is kind of getting at both of those. And it seems like he sort of comes around to realizing how out of place he is in his life. But so you've got something like that. And we talked about the fact that it's, it is, I guess, sort of too bad that in order to make that movie, you have to make, you have to have a character who doesn't think that it's just pretty fucking sweet to get to be in Tokyo for a bit. And that that was some of it. But I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if there were further reasons that tie into some of the things that, that clearly you were bringing up and just some of the things that you were bringing up and just like it beyond the fact that, it's visually a place where you can have Bill Murray really like standing out um, as just feeling uncomfortable and where like that whole discussion can get again, like lost in translation, et cetera, et cetera, where there's like enough of a language gap where he can get like weird instructions from the director or none of them at all. Yeah. Cause the translator is awful. Yeah. Translating is hard guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually think it's kind of interesting to think about, the disconnection from self in Lost in Translation as it ties into like the other aspects because well, looking at like Bill Murray first who's oh god his character name Bob I believe so yeah okay because I might just be thinking about that movie where was it called what about Bob or something no yeah I think you're right uh, Bob Harris okay all right but like I feel like his he does have a little bit of like that disconnect from self and that's kind of bringing out the disconnect from society and whatnot and family as well because he's at i mean they don't talk a lot about his career like where he is in his career at that point in the movie it, it does have that feeling of he's a little bit of a has-been and that's why i mean people who aren't has-beens do commercials all the time but you just get that sense right that he's not his career isn't at its peak anymore like he's kind of past that point mm. and he might not really know what the next steps with his career are like we don't know i mean we know he's really famous but we don't know exactly how famous and we don't know whether he's still having like a very active promising career and so part of what i i mean maybe that was just me reading into it and i just assumed the worst about every character's fate but i just felt like i was reading that he was having a little bit of a identity crisis in the movie as well like he wasn't really sure uh, who he you know was anymore now that his career had kind of reached maybe this plateau or at least like you know go undergoing this change where now he's like focusing on commercial stuff and like things that are taking advantage of past roles he's played rather than like future things that are coming up and then with scarlett johansson's character charlotte she is definitely at that age where she's having that like what do you call it? Like the, the quarter life crisis where she's graduated and she's just gotten married and now she like doesn't really know what she wants or like who she is and she's in this place what's so bringing out all these questions even more. Because if you're like really certain of yourself and you go travel to somewhere like Tokyo where you maybe wouldn't fit in very well and you like are kind of at a loss to like figure out how to talk to people and what to do, you still like could have a pretty good time as long as you feel like confident in yourself and you feel sure of where you are in life if you're in like a bad place self-esteem wise then that's going to suck like so much worse and then you also with her and with uh bob have the disconnect from family because both of them are struggling with their spouses and i think you know he's also having a little bit like he did he forget his kid's birthday or something like that but he was having some kind of thing with his kids as well where there was a little bit of a 
miscommunication. Yeah, I I think to go very briefly back to your point about uh Bob's career. I think there's isn't there like at least one part where he's like watching one of his movies and it I don't, there's like a dog or a monkey in it. Like it's I don't know, it not to not to disparage anyone who works with dogs and monkeys in film, but I feel like that's very rarely the high point of your of your career, right? <laughs> but I don't, yeah, it I I completely agree. Like I I don't know that I could put a finger on any any particular point where they explicitly say that his career is not in a good place. But I, I got the exact same vibe as you, Cleo, where it, it seems like he's certainly like kind of past his peak. It's not that he's sort of totally out of the limelight, but he's certainly not like it. It feels like his best work is behind him and he's just sort of kind of coasting on on that for now. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and I think that kind of it seems like they do kind of bring out each other's issues, right? Where the stuff going on, and because clearly, again, Bob's wife like faxes him every so often, and he just seems like not interested. And you're right, like it's it's it might not even be that he like forgets the kid's birthday, but he's certainly traveling for it. Like he misses it at the very least, and unclear whether he misses it because he forgot it or he misses it just because he he did. Neither of which are really great options, but where you've you've got something like that, and I mean maybe that is kind of what leads to him feeling so disconnected with where he is and why he's not thinking of Japan as this cool, interesting place to be. It's just that he's in kind of a shitty place, so it's hard for him to appreciate the cool things about where he's at, and that's why meeting Charlotte lets him go out and have a bit more fun, even though a lot of that is her, like, very explicitly, like, inviting him out or bringing him out to go do things with her, and she's the one who's more able to find the find the things to do there and find that way of being connected with the place that she's at but yeah that each of their kind of issues sort of draw out the other ones and they maybe do a better job of figuring out what they're actually upset about you don't know what to add to that (laughs) sorry i was thinking about this some the other day i i feel like i it's not that i didn't like lost in translation when we were recording but i feel like looking back on it more i almost wish that like we had recorded that episode like because i i tried to watch it relatively close to when we recorded so i'd have like stuff fresh in my mind but it's the kind of thing where i feel like i i end up feeling more and more fond of it as like a bit more time passes i i don't know that i'd say it's like growing on me but i feel like as i've had more time to think about stuff in it as opposed to like being right there like i i'm more likely to forget a character's name which is unfortunate for like well recording but you know it's the kind of thing you can put up on a screen or something yeah but i feel like i have more fully formed thoughts on just like the overall tone and like its general successes and and failures i i wonder if if we were recording that episode today would we have different things to say about it i mean i do think lost in translation is the kind of movie that that stays with you and that you kind of have to turn over and really chew on to see like entirely where you come down on it. Yeah. Are you suggesting, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, that the act of recently watching the movie changes how you feel about it? Like you have to watch it sufficiently far in the past? Or do you think rewatching it, having watched it for like a while ago, mm-hmm. would would make you more fond or pick up on its themes better? Does that... Is that clear? I think the way that I'm 
seeing it is that for Lost in Translation specifically, it's it's a movie that might you might be better off with distance between having seen it and trying to talk about it. And given that we are like all in our twenties, we haven't we wouldn't have seen it at a time in which I think we would have been able to probably form good, well reasoned like analyses of the various themes and, and everything that Lost in Translation was, having seen it a first time outside of the previous five years. Having seen it a first time in the previous five years, which I don't think any of us had done, and then seeing it a second time recently might help to reinforce the things that you had, the opinions that you had formed on Lost in Translation after having chewed on it for a while. But I think that seeing it for a first time and then trying to have a like a deep discussion about everything that movie is trying to say within the span of maybe a week might be too soon. Yeah, I, I feel like it's almost more that uh, having gone back and re-listened to our episode relatively recently as as we were editing it and putting it out, etc. Um, I wonder if we kind of missed the forest for the trees on that one. Um, I feel like we had a lot of discussions about specific events and specific characters and things like that. Whereas I think we might have missed some of the stuff that's a bit easier to see as you're a bit further removed and you're not thinking about individual scenes. Yeah, like the minutia of the movie. I think that's the big thing. Like that's that's I think that's the reason why I feel more fond of it now is that I'm I enjoy that forest a lot more than I enjoy the trees. Um, Enjoy is the wrong word, but I I appreciate that forest more than I appreciated the trees. And I think that that's I think that that's the bigger thing is just. Given this little bit of time, it's easier to go back and look on it as a whole and the way it made me feel and the way, like, the things it's had me think about in the, you know, the month or so since, I guess is more, I guess more what I'm going for. But I think more specifically, though, going back to what, uh, Corinne, you and I were talking about earlier about the fact that it feels like an objectively more beautiful movie than The Prestige, I think is the other part of what makes me like it more in hindsight is that so there's i feel like there's that initial like moment where you're there watching it and it's gorgeous and beautiful and you have it has all those things going for it and then you pull back and you feel like you're trying to talk about it so you're looking at it in a different sense and i think you end up with what where we were at on the podcast where we weren't talking about things like cinematography and the fact that it is really it really is a beautiful film in a lot of ways and I think that we were in kind of that middle point where you're not you're not looking specifically at the things that make those trees really interesting and we're we were kind of at an awkward middle distance. And that now looking back on it, I feel like I'm getting again more of the forest and I was thinking less about the fact that it was such a success technically. And I think just our I don't know, I guess in hindsight it feels like our recording date happened to fall at the point where I think I had the, for lack of a better way to put it, the least interesting things to say about that movie. I feel like now looking back in hindsight, I have a much broader look at it that I respect and appreciate a lot more. Um, and I know that while I was watching it, almost all I could think about was like, oh God, this is gorgeous. And like the degree to which those shots and certain moments stuck with me. I think his and those have ended up being a lot more important than trying to figure out what uh what Bob says at the end. Like as I've been thinking about that movie over the last like month, I have spent almost no time trying to think about what what gets said at the end. 
and way more time thinking about the broad way it seems to make me feel and the broader things it seems to be saying about like being a person or at least the things that i'm taking from it um but i mean i, I feel yeah. like that's the conclusion that we did come to when we were talking about it even in the episode was like you know we brought it up and and there was a lot of discussion of like oh what did he say what do people think that he said here's all the people who slowed down and altered the audio and like what do what do each of us think that he might have said or did he say but then at the end of that discussion we if i remember right we all just kind of concluded that Ultimately, it wasn't all that important. What he said wasn't important, which is why we never know what he said. And we don't know what he said because they were trying to make us feel, you know, these things and think about these things in the way that you're talking. Yeah, I guess. But even I don't know. I feel like I'm doing a poor job of explaining it. But even that is more even that kind of a discussion is more focused on the things that in hindsight are meaning less and less to me all the time it's not a movie of details it's a movie of broad strokes and sketches which is why i think it is beautiful in the way that classical japanese artwork is beautiful because that is an artwork of of lines that suggest forms and shapes but don't actually explicitly detail them i think it's a great way of putting it and i think that those lines are in this case are made up of those really strong moments that i think the movie has and i'm i remember a lot of those moments but not necessarily the way that they explicitly appear in the film but the things that they suggest and i think that that's the big thing is those are the two points where i'm i feel like the movie is really succeeding and when we happened to record i think at least i personally was in the state of mind of i wasn't just appreciating how great the lines were and i wasn't looking at what they were suggesting i was trying to look at like the way that they were explicitly coming together and that that's the part where it is at its weakest or at least my understanding of it is at its weakest i guess is what i'm getting at i do have some bad news for you for your guy for you guys what's that so charlie brown yeah the guy so charlie brown's a real person like his name he goes by charlie brown or he went by charlie brown uh and he was like a friend of uh sofia coppola i think he was like a gallery owner or like an artist or some combination of the two mm-hmm. and she was inspired to like make the movie partly by like him and like the their nights out and like the crazy stuff they did but he actually passed away um like a few years ago i think oh that's really sad i can't remember from what yeah but i thought that was cool that like he was like a major inspiration i mean like without him the movie probably wouldn't have been made at all i mean particularly because i think you go back to that episode and find the percentage of time that i spent talking about that sequence with him and realize (laughs) that it is more time than i've spent talking about any one thing ever (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, we had a 999 episode with you, so that's a lie. Well, yeah, but I was all over that. I mean, I spent that entire episode talking about everything about that game. He's talking about, like, one specific thing about a thing that we talked about. If I had spent all of 999 talking about, like, the library, sure. But, but yeah, that's the, for whatever reason, I just got so hung up on that sequence. I still think it's a really cool sequence, but I just remember listening back to that episode and be like, man... If you just listened to my part, you'd think that this entire movie was about, like, <laughs> these two Westerners go for a crazy night out with this guy called Charlie Brown. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. I would also, but... <laughs> Charlie Brown, fun on the town. That's what we I would call it, yeah. Yep. And it I wouldn't come to that myself, but I would hear you say it, and then I would take that, and then I would call it that. It's right. literally what just happened. Oh, yeah. You're just describing the thing that just happened. I didn't want it to sound like I would have come to that independently. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you guys uh moving back to gone home actually uh, and i know like we were talking about maybe these words are not interchangeable 
But did you feel lonely at all while playing Gone Home? Because, I mean, you are the only character who's really, like, present in the house. You're the only living person except for, like, or, no, yeah, definitely living because Oscar is dead and Mitten is dead. And Mitten's also a cat. But, like, I have a thing. I really love games where you're, like, the only person around. And there is, like, signs of life that was there, but there obviously there's obviously nobody else present. Uh, kind of like, you know, like mist and whatnot. But I also get kind of like really weirded out by them and kind of, and more than just like being creeped out, like, oh, it's spooky. Something's going to jump out or whatever. But just the idea of, okay, you're the only one here to kind of sort through this stuff. There's nobody else to like depend on. We talked, well, this is going way back when, but we talked about like loneliness a little bit in like Majora's Mask, for instance, because like you're the only person going back through time. Like you're the only one who remembers that you're like doing this stuff except for the fairy. But I I did feel that sense again a little bit playing through Gone Home the most recent time. And I know I felt it the first time too. Well, the first time I was also scared that it was going to jump out. And I think like in subsequent playthroughs, I'm more focused on the idea of like, wow, I'm like, kind of there is like a little bit of a I know this might be a little dramatic but there is a little bit of that like post-apocalyptic feeling even though you know like the world outside is fine it's thundering yeah that's like a little bit creepy but like it's not it's not life is strange like whales and mm. shit um or hurricanes or t- tornado whatever the the hell that thing was but you are like picking up evidence of lives and you're not there with, like, the people who the lives belong to. Like, you're kind of, like, piecing this stuff together as if, like, you know, they might never come back. It's kind of like a Pompeii-ish situation, almost, if, you, like, things have been abandoned and you're there to have to, like, to figure it out for yourself. And this is, like, your family, so there's a whole other kind of weird, disturbing layer to it. And I was just wondering whether any of you kind of felt similarly while playing through it or whether I'm just, like, fucking weird in the head. I think that the post-apocalyptic sense is definitely there. I don't know if that's something that I can say more easily looking back since other things that are more explicitly post-apocalyptic have used some of that those similar moments, right? Like playing, I guess, at Bioshock, you can determine whether that's post-apocalyptic or not. And that's a lot of the same team, you know, came and pulled that forward. But I mean, things like um, those moments of just going through a house in The Last of Us, for example, I think whether or not there's any indication that anything was inspired by anything else there you can i think there's certainly an argument to be made that that same mechanic works really well in both right like that feeling of going through something that was there before yeah i think that's totally fair i think i tend to feel more lonely in the majora's mask situation um we've got all these people like reminding you of how alone you are in that world but i think some of that's because i playing through gone home i always kind of feel like i'm less alone because i feel like sam is there with me for a lot of it yeah yeah the the presence of others is so strong in gone home like i don't i don't know if i necessarily feel that sense of loneliness that you're getting at like if i'm if i was to think of a game that made me feel lonely i would definitely say shadow of the colossus oh jesus that that game makes me feel lonely but it's it's beautiful like the, the whole game is beautiful we should do shadow of the colossus at some point because it's amazing um anyway uh that was a good ass game um i i would actually say it probably made me feel lonely in a different way and that is in the way that uh i guess being single and reading a a cute beautiful love story 
makes you feel kind of lonely. But that's not the same kind of loneliness you're getting at. But it is a kind of loneliness. No, I think it's fair. No, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I would say it's it's not quite loneliness, but I think the closest analog that I like really got from it was something that we touched on a little bit earlier of feeling bad it from Katie's perspective that she couldn't have actively been there for Sam during this. You know, feeling that like she went off on her like gallivanting trip across Europe and had this great time while her sister was going through this really rough situation. And I mean, we don't know nearly enough about Katie to know how she would have responded to that. I mean, their parents are clearly not responding super well. We have no idea if Katie is the kind of person who would have helped Sam in that situation or pushed her away. And we, we like to think that she would have been good about it. At least I like to, because while you're playing that game and you kind of are Katie and you can put yourself into that situation, but... In this whole idea of it's a game with a world that was there before you and kind of will be after you and you're just sort of guiding Katie through this and she's kind of got her own personality. I think I think we definitely know that Sam trusts that Katie would have been on her side through all of this. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm I'm an older sibling. I don't know who else here Same. is effectively an older sibling and not just technically an older sibling. <laughs> but uh not to be too older sibling about it, but I would never let my younger sister bear any hardship that I thought I could potentially like either save her from or help her through or stand beside her for. Hmm. Like, there's just, there's no way. There's no way. So. You'd be loading those VCRs up in the back of the car. Yeah, fucking absolutely <laughs> I would. I still love that they just see you. <laughs> Just taking every, specifically the VCR. Speaking of which, actually, I have another question for you guys regarding Gone Home. How, what is the average price of VCR? <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the 90s? <laughs> but how did it being set in the nineties, like what what did that do for you guys? Because for me, like I am a couple years older than I think all of you, um, so I probably remember a little bit of the nineties, a little like a, the nineties a little bit better, just by like a smidgen. And I don't know, I've been going, I don't know whether, again, it's like a quarter-life crisis situation, but I've been, like, very nostalgic and, like, very fondly remembering the 90s lately. And so, and I've always been, like, fond of that decade and that time period, um, but I think I felt it a little bit more strongly with this last playthrough, maybe just because, like, life circumstances and whatnot, but for me, it, it kind of added this extra sense of longing because you have like the longing between like sam and lonnie there but then i also like because it was set during this this like what like 1996 i believe i there was this like additional sense of longing for me where i like kind of wanted to be back in that time and i don't know it was just kind of a different experience from the first like i felt that way a little bit the first time i played it but i felt that particular sense a lot stronger this time around how much did gone home make me nostalgic for the 90s not not a whole lot, honestly. Like, I mean, we can be nostalgic for certain things, but I don't think I don't think I personally am nostalgic for the time period. Like, I'm just nostalgic for things the same way anyone would be nostalgic for their childhood and fond memories they have. Yeah, that's that's more or less what I was thinking. Like, I'm, I was nostalgic for things like things in Gone Home that made me remember things about my own life. 
very specifically, right? Not so much the time period, but like that my grandfather spent so much of his free time like ripping blockbuster VHS tapes to combine two or three movies onto blank VHSs and give them to me. And I had this huge collection of movies and there were always VHS tapes strewn all over the place. Like literally parts of my house looked like on home Nice because of that. I might have been feeling the 90s nostalgia particularly hard because I've been like, we've moved a lot in the past few years. And so like, and whenever you like move, you find all this old shit, right? That you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I have this thing from like 1994. And I did keep thinking about Gone Home (laughs) during that experience of like rifling through old stuff. And then I might also be like keeping things I probably shouldn't because they're old and like basically garbage, but they make me feel nostalgic. So I'm keeping them anyway basically a hoarder (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this has come up before yeah cleo as a hoarder i feel like we've touched on this topic before but i can't remember when i'm a dragon i hoard 90s stuff instead of jewels though you just sleep on a bed of vhs tapes snes games and lisa frank things yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh god you were a dragon what would you hoard we've had this exact discussion on the podcast? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but I know that you and not I on, have not had on the this podcast. exact discussion. Well, that's fair. Don't answer it. Let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> and by keep moving, I think maybe yeah, you wrap, wrap up. up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess. All right. Well, then, uh, dice for me. I would hoard dice. I do hoard dice. I have 32 pounds of dice in my possession. Yep. It's, it's already hoarded. I always love that you refer to the quantity of dice that you own by weight. I bought them by weight. bought by weight, yeah. <laughs> so that's the easiest way to refer. I didn't count them. So there's no way to know how. Well, I could count all of them, but I will not because that thus leads to insanity. I don't know. Maybe you should. I kind of want to ask why you have this many dice. Um, Clayton thought he would be buying me a joke present, but the joke was actually on him because I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Clayton bought 30 pounds of dice for Corinne. Yep. That's like multiple infants worth of dice. <laughs> yep. It is, it's like half a dozen infants worth yeah, of dice. Yeah, that's like, that's an entire nursery of Why infants. Why are we weighing this in infants Can now? we talk about this unit of measurement, though? <laughs> hey, listen. All things can be measured in any way you want. Clayton and I have discussed how time can be measured in steaks. If you think of, if you break time up into the last time you ate steak. Yeah, I mean, time, anything can like, be measured in any way you want. But that way. doesn't make certain units of measurement weird. Like, time, measuring, measuring time by steaks is weird. Says you. It's totally valid. Says you. But it's a little weird. You know what? Go fuck yourself. I, I don't know at what point a human reaches 32 pounds. Like, that's the bigger thing. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> James's general lack of understanding of the infant development process. I I know roughly how much I've weighed at various life stages based on like it, from when I started con- like being conscious of yeah your being own weight. conscious of my weight onwards, yeah. and all of that is like well above thirty two. Right. <laughs> so that's why like, I, I don't have like a good. It's like I don't know. Does a does a three-year-old weigh 32 pounds? Like, who knows? I, I also don't Parents know. Parents probably know. I also don't know at what point, like, lifestyle starts to make, like, a big difference. So you can't really speak to, like, the average seven-year-old. But... Anyway, as an aside, listeners, if you ever want to buy a pound of dice, you can. Dice are actually sold by the pound. You can get both Wiz dice and Chessex dice by the pound. 
and uh, it's amazing. It's just a grab bag of cool dice, and you will then have a pound of dice, and you can refer to your own dice by weight and occasionally by inches. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, can you order? Like, it's like I would like four infants of dice, please. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. I think we, we got to end this before the insanity increases to a level that nobody else can understand. Yeah. We're not uh, there yet. But but yeah, so I think that's going to be a wrap on our solitude topic. I think it's been this has been a good one. Certainly interesting. I know that like I, I even think that like Gone Home ended up working really well. I know that like right off the bat, we committed to Gone Home and maybe three hours later, we immediately second guessed it. And we're wondering if we should have done Firewatch. I already said it. Exactly. In the podcast. I think Gone Home went really well. Yeah, I still think Firewatch would have been the better choice, and I but I will always think that. I mean, like I think that Gone Home is the better game in every way. Yes, but I for think sure. that Firewatch it arguably is more about solitude than Gone Home. You guys honestly let me overwhelm you with my love for Gone Home. It, the thing is, we share your love for Gone that's, Home. That's like good, all yeah. four of us love yeah. Gone Home pretty equally, and it is a lot. Let me ignite the fires of your passion for Gone Home way too easily. <laughs> I, we've had we've tried to construct several topics around gone home with varying degrees of success <laughs> yeah. well now we don't have to try this anymore. is one of the done <laughs> uh considering some of the things we threw around this is this was even one of the better ones <laughs> but yeah all right so with that though we're gonna we're gonna wrap up solitude we're gonna be starting up psychological horror next time next episode is going to be the shining by stephen king the book not the movie and yeah after that rolling into jacob's ladder evil within and another one of these yeah and then blessedly something else (laughs) Uh, until then thank you so much for listening thanks for listening to this episode of read watch play if you want to help us out the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the show you can also rate and review us on itunes if you want to find us on social media you can follow us on twitter and instagram at rwp podcast like us on facebook at facebook.com slash rwp podcast check out our tumblr at rwppodcast.tumblr.com and look out for our game streams on twitch at twitch.tv slash rewatchplay i'm not gonna lie every time anyone talks about writing into anything i run a serious risk of asking them to send it to the old zoom post off like p.o box <laughs> i think i remember it like full jingle and everything i i don't i'm not confident enough that i could actually do it but yeah that's what comes to mind i remember i remember their zip code <laughs>